Welcome to Born to be Breastfed with your host, Marie Biancuso. Our program aims to help you bust through the breastfeeding myths and ensure you and your baby enjoy the breastfeeding journey. Over the next hour, we'll help you figure out how to overcome the obstacles you might encounter and how to incorporate breastfeeding into your busy life. Now, here is your host, Marie Biancuso. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'll be your host for Born to be Breastfed, where every week we bust the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding and beyond. Now, today, we are so going to bust myths and so going to, in fact, clarify those facts. And I am so not able to do this, but lucky for me, I have with me my guest, Donna Walls. Donna, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm really excited to be with you today. Well, Donna, this is going to be a good day. Uh, I'm, I'm going to talk a little bit to the audience, but I want to just introduce you first. Donna Walls is a registered nurse. She's also an international board certified lactation consultant, and she is gotten interested in this thing that she, I think, probably didn't plan on getting interested in. She was just going about her usual business of helping breastfeeding mothers, and um, she got interested in something that is a little unusual. Now, let me tell you how I got interested in this. I was sitting in my office one day, and uh, I was just doing up some paperwork. It was kind of late in the afternoon, and um, all of a sudden, I noticed that somebody had come in the front door and they were in the little reception area and I could tell that, uh, I don't know, Heather or whoever was sitting in the front there, probably wasn't Heather in those days, was talking with somebody that had just come into the reception area and I could hear her saying, "Uh, well, um, uh, do you have an appointment? And I could tell it was getting a little strange. So I thought, oh, I think I need to get up and take this one myself. So I saunter out there and I, you know, greet the woman and so forth, ask her what we could do to help her. And she said, I'm looking to buy those capsules that have placenta in them. Do you have those for sale? <laughs> and I, I'm kind of like, uh, no, no, we, no, we're kind of, no, no, we no, we don't. <laughs> she says, well, do you know where I could find them? And I'm thinking, woman, it's the greater Washington, D.C. area. I'm sure they're here somewhere, but we don't go like we don't go there, you know. So sure enough, she and I asked her a little bit about why she's hunting for these in the first place. But that was sort of my initial awareness, if you will, that people wanted to ingest placentas. Donna, would you say that that's the case? I think so. And it's been um, several years that I think we've been aware of the practice and that it's becoming more commonplace. And uh, women are hearing about it and wanting to find out about it and um, certainly being more interested in um, finding practitioners who are um, you know, actually doing the practice of preparing the placentas for ingestion. So, yeah, definitely. I think it's, yes, we're so seeing more and more of it all the time. 
So just to be really clear here, everybody, (laughs) Donna and I are talking about eating your own placenta or, as I understand it, Donna, possibly uh, ingesting somebody else's placenta that has been sterilized and so forth. Am I right? I believe so. And I think I've seen some references to other family members possibly eating the mom's placenta, um, but not generally shared out like buying them in stores and those kind of things. So I think generally it's either the mother eats her own placenta or um, sometimes uh, other family members. But that was my that was my understanding as well. Yeah, it was some years ago, but I just remember I was like, whoa. Uh, and I wanted to say, hey, look, we're pretty evidence-based practice here. Uh, you're in the wrong place. But luckily I shut up and <laughs> Didn't say that. Uh, I've lived long enough to know that sometimes just shutting my mouth is a thing to do. And really, I've done a fair amount of reading up on this, but there is no way I would have felt that I could carry this show by myself. I'm like, oh, Donna's into this. We're definitely going to talk to Donna. So, Donna, you know, we'd all like to believe this that this began in the 70s or something. But in fact, as I understand it, the practice is has been dated to substantially longer ago than that. Is that your understanding? Um, from the research that I have seen, um, most of the references are into traditional Chinese medicine, which is, of course, has been around for thousands of years. Thousands but of years. Um, what I could um, dig up, and I'm a holistic practitioner myself, what I could dig up through traditional Chinese medicine is that placenta is used as far as um, treating some ailments in traditional Chinese medicine, but not really used to treat postpartum women. So um, it was interesting that, um, you know, that we have adapted it, but it really was not the origins of it. The origins of using placenta not only of humans, but of animals as well, was used to treat certain ailments, but not necessarily postpartum ailments. So I thought that was very interesting. Yeah, you know, I was just going to say, I do not recall anything that I have read, and I'm by no means an expert here, but I have just not bumped into anything that says that that ancient Chinese medicine or that historically there is some paper trail for using it for postpartum breastfeeding, whatever. I've seen it, uh, in, in fact, for things like infertility, and that... Yeah. Now, does that kind of make some sense to you? Um, From a hormonal standpoint? I guess. I think there were some other ailments that they used for traditional Chinese medicine, too. And I, it's not coming to me now, but maybe things like arthritis and those kind of things oh, yeah, as well. Yep. Yep. So, yep. and, you know, traditional Chinese medicine is very different than ours. You know, they have yin and yang and hot and cold and, and those kind of things. So it's a kind of a different way of diagnosing and treating than we do in Western medicine. So I think it was used for other things that we certainly would never associate it with, like um, digestive disorders or, um, you know, arthritis or those kind of things that are not necessarily related at all to reproduction. So, but I didn't find any references that in traditional Chinese medicine, placenta was given to postpartum women. 
Yeah, me either. And I've got to believe, Donna, you and I are both two smart women. It seems like if that was part of the Chinese tradition, one of us would have read it by now. And it sounds like we haven't. Yeah. Uh, And by the way, all you listeners out there, just remember, Donna and I are telling you what there is to know, but there isn't a whole lot to know. Um, Donna, how about this? I read somewhere, you mentioned the placentas of animals. I read somewhere that that there was some history of women eating the placentas of beef. Do you know if there's any truth to that? Yeah, I, um, I again, I, you know, I think sometimes placentas in general have been used for treating ailments. Um, but, I, again, I've never seen any connection between a postpartum woman eating oh. an animal placenta for help during her post, the postpartum days. And by the way, I just want to tell folks, if you're grossing out by the idea of eating a beef placenta, just remember, you think nothing about sitting down and having a plate of liver and onions. So. <laughs> I agree with you just, there. Just saying, you know. I agree. Absolutely. Um, Donna, help me with this one because it is sort of my foggy understanding that women who come and ask for these uh, placentas, that they want to ingest placentas, their own or the encapsulated or whatever, that they're looking for it as a treatment for postpartum depression. Is that your observation as well? Yes, um, I have heard lots of women talk about um, the benefits for postpartum anxiety or mood disorders or depression, um, those kind of things. I think in much of the literature, too, we also see that it is um, touted to be helpful for anemia um, and also for pain relief. And uh, there actually is some... Some research that does show it may actually help with pain relief um, because there are some endorphin kind of releasing factors that are found in the placenta. So it may, there may be some, not great science, but there actually is some science that says it may help uh, short term with some pain relief. But I think what I read in, Marie, you can chime in on this. Um, <laughs> As far as, like, the reduction of postpartum depression and mood disorders and those kind of things seems to be mostly anecdotal, and um, which I'm not saying (laughs) that doesn't count, Uh, but when we look at the evidence, there's not really a lot of evidence supporting the positive effects of placental ingestion and preventing or treating a postpartum mood disorder. So have you found that to be true as well? Yes. And I was just about to pull together here what we've just talked about, which is I want everyone to understand that Donna is saying that there is a historical There's historical evidence that it has been used for ailments, not postpartum ailments. And now Donna and I are both telling you we've heard that people are using it for postpartum depression, but uh, there is not 
any evidence. And I've got, I don't know, probably half a dozen articles in front of me here as I'm talking. And I cannot see, as a matter of fact, some of them just came out and said, no, there is no evidence. Some kind of said, well, you know, we don't know. But I think maybe I would offer the caution that if you think this is going to be the magic bullet to curing your postpartum depression, I think there's a lot of talk about that, but I don't think there's any evidence to support that. Donna, would you agree? I agree. That's what, uh, that certainly is the conclusion of all the studies that I have read and that, um, you know, there really isn't any good evidence behind it. Although, again, many of the, you know, anecdotal, much of the anecdotal information from people who are either, um, involved in the preparation or those people that are ingesting the placenta, um, there seems to be a common thread that they believe there is a positive effect on postpartum moods. So, again, we have a lot of anecdotal information, but not a lot of evidence-based information supporting it. So, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think this is a there you go one. And by the way, when we come back from the break, we're going to be talking about the uh, how they prepare. They being being the family or anybody else is preparing uh, the placenta. And so, don't go away. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm here today with Donna Walls, and we are talking about the ingestion of placentas. That is placentophagia, and we will be right back after this short break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Do you need breastfeeding training for your hospital staff? Maybe you need to offer all 15 sessions to meet the baby-friendly requirements. Or perhaps you need just a few sessions. Check out Marie's new course, Best Practices for Breastfeeding Management. It's perfect for improving your exclusive breastfeeding rates and helping staff earn contact hours. You know Marie will focus on the clinical outcomes, not just the training process. Marie's course offers the ultimate in flexibility and convenience. It's online 24-7 so staff can study at their own pace. You can use the course for all of your staff or just your newly hired staff. And Marie offers a tracking report so you can tell who has started or finished. Best of all, staff can print out their own certificate when they finish. Don't waste another minute trying to develop your own course. Trust America's leading breastfeeding educator to provide staff training that works. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894. 703-787-9894. And ask for your bulk discount. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed, and I'm here today with nurse and herbalist Donna Walls. So, Donna, we were talking about people ingesting the placenta, and Mm -hmm. that's all well and good, but it is my understanding that, that it can be ingested either raw or encapsulated, and I want to spend a good deal of time unpacking that. First of all, talk to us about the raw. How could you just, like, eat your own placenta raw? Um, I I think what the general idea is is that it is ingested raw and quickly, and very often it is made into, like, um, a smoothie. So they would make um, a raw placenta smoothie, and those kind of ways to get it in. I um, have also read, um, I would say most of the literature that I read, there are cautions um, about the raw placenta, just because we know the placenta, A, is a filter and can often contain contaminants. And so um, I think most of the organizations that are involved in, you know, placental ingestion recommend more that at least the placenta is um, treated. It is steamed or heated and dehydrated, and there is some processing of it to prevent, um, or at least hopefully uh, prevent that. So when I've seen recipes for placental smoothies and um, those kind of things, and I think there is a real caution that goes with, the ingestion of the raw placenta. I, I, I know what I hear from uh, patients and other professionals is that, well, this is the way animals do it. Animals have always eaten their placenta. And um, number one, the way it is done is that an animal in completely ingests the placenta immediately yes. after birth. And it's probably done more for protection from predators. So she's trying to get rid of the scent of the placenta and the blood to protect her offspring. Um, But I don't, I, um, and I don't know of any, and I doubt that anyone does, knows of any animal that continues to um, ingest the placenta over several weeks. Um, If an animal does it, a different reason. Um, yeah. You know, as we, Marie and I were just talking about this beforehand, is that I don't know of any humans, like, of course, some could, like, give birth out in the woods and would have to, um, you know, to eat the placenta to protect her offspring 
from bears or wolves or whatever that are out in the wild. But I believe in the animal kingdom, it is more for that um, than nutrition. Um, So that that tends to be the general conception of that, yes. (laughs) So, Donna, I think you pointed out two important things, because this comes up sometimes when I talk with people about this, which is, well, the animals do it, and we're animals. Yes, we are animals, and yes, we are mammals, but to my knowledge, there is no... First of all, you're right. It's done immediately with the animals and for a protective reason. But it just—it sort of seems to me like if humans were meant to do that, they would somehow have an appetite for it, which is oh, gross. I mean, I have handled a gajillion placentas in my day, having worked labor and delivery, and and I can just tell you, there's just nothing attractive about them. And and the thought of putting it in a smoothie, I'm thinking, oh great, you know, put that with my yogurt and my protein powder. Oh yum yum. Uh, but but then some people, as I understand it, prepare it as part of a stew. So in that case, it would be, as you say, steamed or something, right? Steamed or with other, you know, with other foods, um, you know, those, those kind of things. And again, I think the majority of people who are involved in preparation believe that it really does need to be at least steamed or heated or, um, and I think the CDC is calling it for, it needs to be like at 130 degrees for two hours, something like that, um, in order to kill the you know, the potential pathogens that are frequently found in a placenta. So even making a stew would um, be better than just raw in a smoothie because at least there would be some protection from the heating to uh, to kill the, the bacteria. So, Donna, talk yeah. to us a little bit. Uh, talk to us a little bit more about the uh, toxins, contamination, et cetera. Um, well, I think the, the our biggest concern right now came from a case, and I believe it was in 2016, and there was a case of um, a woman who was practicing placental ingestion, and her infant, I believe, was 11 days old and was diagnosed with um, beta strep infection and uh, was quite ill. Uh, fortunately, the, they did bring it to, bring the baby to medical care, and so the baby was treated with antibiotics. Apparently, there was a recurrence as well, and so they really were trying to figure out what, where in the world this baby uh-huh. was getting this infection. And the good news is that it wasn't coming from the breast milk. They checked her milk, and it wasn't in her milk. But they did finally track it down to the placental um, capsules, and that's the same strain of the GBS that was found in the baby was found in the uh, capsules of the placenta. So there kind of was a call that went out and said, you know, we really need to... Be more careful. And, in fact, the CDC was calling for people to not participate um, in ingestion of the placenta at all. Uh, but I think at the very least, most organizations and healthcare professionals were saying, whoa, wait whoa. just a minute. This, you know, where we thought this was just kind of maybe a fun thing to do or it might have some potential benefits or whatever, all of a sudden we're going, wait a minute. 
this could actually cause some problems. So we need to step back and really take a look at what we're doing and why we're doing it, and more than that, how we're doing it, um, which is kind of where we are right now, really taking a look at, at the practices of placental preparation and how that works and how people are doing it and um, trying to assure some safety in the preparation of the placenta. Absolutely. Uh, Donna, here's my curiosity. Do you remember, as the CDC put that out, do you remember if the woman was forthcoming in saying that she was practicing placental phagia or was it that they had to ask her and pry it out of her? Oh gosh! Uh, you know what? I I don't remember exactly. No. I know no. it was discovered. How it was discovered, I I don't know. I might. I don't know if that would be a routine question that they would no. ask someone. <laughs> um, no, I don't. So. It would be. But I mentioned <laughs> yeah. that because I'm. I know at least for myself, I'm usually pretty not eager to tell mainstream medicine that I'm taking my glucosamine for my wonky knee or whatever it is. So yeah. I cannot imagine myself telling the, the the healthcare team, oh yeah, I just ate my own placenta here 11 days ago. I just can't imagine yeah. myself volunteering that information. But yeah. I think that what I want to communicate to people who are listening is if there is some oddball thing going on with you, you really need to be forthcoming in t- telling the healthcare team I did ingest my own placenta because it might save you a lot of time and angst in getting diagnosed. Uh, Certainly, group B beta strep is not, uh, well, that's group B, you know what I mean. Uh, That is not insignificant. And so I I would just say if you've done it, just say you've done it. I, I would like to believe that most of us could accept, okay, it's a done deal. She's done it. Let's go from there. Absolutely. Same same train of thought as an herbalist. So many patients I talk to, they say, I don't, I don't want to tell my doc that I'm, you know, taking this herb or whatever. I said, please do, you know, really. um, I think it's so important because it can play such a role in your health. And it's the same principle with placental encapsulation that you really need to let your healthcare provider um, let them know. And in this case, with the CDC, with the you know, with the GBS, it's even more important that um, you know that this was. And I don't remember how it was discovered, but thank heavens yeah. it was, and the baby was treated successfully. So, but again, sure, it raised a flag. I think we need to. Yeah. We're not saying don't ever do placental ingestion. We're not saying that, but we're right. saying right now. The flag has been raised to really take a look at how um, how it needs to be done, if it's going to be done, how it's going to be done safely, and that's monumentally important. Yeah. So to mothers and babies. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, we've only got a minute or so left here, Donna. But can you give us the short story on um, the encapsulation? How does that work? Um, I think again, this is one of those times that. We don't really have a per se standard that it, it oh, will be done this I, way. There's lots of different ways, but generally, I think it's recommended that it's steamed, dehydrated, pulverized, and then put into capsules. So that seems to be the most commonly recommended course of action. And um, again, the steaming is to definitely help with 
you know, killing off the bacteria and then the dehydration and, you know, the pulverizing to make it available for capsules. So that seems to be the most, some dehydrate, some cook, some bake, some, I read something else that you put it in the oven and you bake it till it crumbles. Um, So I think there's still lots of different methods that we can, um, that can be used. And many of the organizations are now calling for, you know, let's let's try to find some standardized way to do this um, and make sure we're all doing it the same way at the same level of care and preparation. So, and I hope that, I, I hope that comes to be. I think that would be a great idea. So everybody, do not go away because when we come back, we are going to talk a lot more about eating your own placenta. I'm Marie Biancuzzo. I have Donna Walls with me today. We'll be right back after this short break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Was your breastfeeding experience stressful or challenging? Did you face an unusual obstacle and go on to meet your goals? If so, we'd like to hear from you, and so would other mothers. Email radio at borntobebreastfed.com to see if you can be Marie's next guest. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Do you need breastfeeding training for your hospital staff? Maybe you need to offer all 15 sessions to meet the baby-friendly requirements. Or perhaps you need just a few sessions. Check out Marie's new course, Best Practices for Breastfeeding Management. It's perfect for improving your exclusive breastfeeding rates and helping staff earn contact hours. You know Marie will focus on the clinical outcomes, not just the training process. Marie's course offers the ultimate in flexibility and convenience. It's online 24-7 so staff can study at their own pace. You can use the course for all of your staff or just your newly hired staff. And Marie offers a tracking report so you can tell who has started or finished. Best of all, staff can print out their own certificate when they finish. Don't waste another minute trying to develop your own course. Trust America's leading breastfeeding educator to provide staff training that works. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894. 703-787-9894. And ask for your bulk discount. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. 
To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed. I'm here today with nurse, lactation consultant, and herbalist Donna Walls. Donna, tell us a little bit, how did like this placental ingestion thing get your attention in the first place? Well, I've, I've kind of been aware of it for a long time. I worked in um, what people might call an alternative birth center, but where we kind of specialize in natural birth. And um, so at that point in time, and that was about 20 years ago, there was a lot of uh, moms at that point in time that were talking about saving the placenta, some of them for those traditional things like, you know, planting a tree over it and those kind of traditional things, but also ingestion. And so it was kind of on my radar. And then the more I kind of worked with my breastfeeding patients and I – saw that there was a connection between um, possibly low milk supply and ingestion of placenta and knowing the physiology, you know, some bells went off. So I started doing some more research into it um, at that point in time. So when you say physiology, I'm going to bet that you were trying to rationalize for yourself what would be the hormonal explanation for the low milk supply if you'd ingested your own placenta? Am I am I reading you right there? Hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, us. you know, we all know that progesterone goes down, and that's when the receptor sites open up, and it they fill up with prolactin. That's just the basics of how lactation works. Some people say, you know, the pregnancy hormones go away, the lactation hormones step in, you know. Um, but we know that is how, um, you know, how it works. We know that if a mom has retained placental fragments, there's enough oh, right. progesterone from that placenta that's going to interfere right. with, you know, lactogenesis too or that milk changing over. So, um, you know, I think I just had kind of a couple of things kind of connecting. And I just started asking some of my patients, it's really non-judgmentally, you know, what, um, and I think that because you know I'm an herbalist, I probably assumed I was would be open to non-traditional kinds of things. And but you know, just non-judgmentally, are you you know um, ingesting your placenta? Are you encapsulating or you know whatever? And um, so I started just kind of. I wish I would have done this more formally now, um, but just started kind of tracking, you know, this this low milk supply and the placental ingestion. And sure enough, there was, there were some concerns and I started asking moms if they would mind, um, just going off the capsules, you know, for a week or two. Let's just see what happens. Let's just see if this is it. And, um, if it is great, we found the problem. If not, we'll keep investigating. And so again, um, to my surprise, there was a huge connection. And when they went off their placenta encapsulation capsules, um, there was a return or a, a bounce back or a bounce up um, in their milk supply. So um, I think wow. at that point, I just kind of said to myself, I need to put this on my regular list. 
So, yes. you know, when you're going through your list of, you know, hypothyroidism, whatever, you know, those kind of things put, you know, are you, are you ingesting your placenta in any form um, as one of the reasons that are potentially a problem for milk supply? So, Donna, typically how many of these capsules would you say the average woman uh, buys and has access to? I honestly, I don't know the answer to that. Um, I've never talked to any of my patients specifically, and I've never seen anything in the research um, as far as um, dosages or those kind of things. And I guess it kind of depends, like with herbal medicine, we always say follow the label directions because there's different size capsules, <laughs> there's different fillings, yeah. there's, you know, all kinds of stuff. So um, I don't know. Have you seen specifically what the... Uh, like dosage no. would be, or no? But my yeah. brain was going while you were talking. I was thinking, okay, how long has the woman exposed herself to these encapsulated, uh, or I should say, capsules of placenta? And then, how long does it take after she quits? That's kind of where my head was going. Is uh, like, what kind of a, what kind of a the hit? Time she frame. Have? Yeah, what's the I, time you know. Frame? Uh, what I have seen, and again, anecdotally, just from my from my practice, is that um, I've seen a lot of moms take it for weeks. After that, I've also seen a lot of moms take it for months. So there are yep, some that are on yep. it for a long period of time. And again, no, this is not evidence-based because I did not keep records, which I could just shoot myself now for not keeping records. But I, um, I know that it was within... Uh, four or five days, somewhere around in there, that at least we saw an improvement in their milk supply. We saw that there was going to be um, some, you know, positive results from okay. not taking it. And again, that didn't happen to all of them. Some of them quit taking their capsules and there was no improvement in milk supply. Um, but there was well, enough that I, again, that a bell went off and... Sure. Um, started using as my counseling. So, yeah. Donna, there's a couple of things that just jump right out in my head here. Uh, I thought that you were very careful in saying these are just anecdotes. They're just things I've observed. But, you know, <laughs> whenever I teach my comprehensive lactation course, I tell the people sitting in the seats, one nurse's observations do not a study make. But, <laughs> but one nurse's observations over several years or decades, I think, is worth listening to. And <laughs> that's why we've got you here today is because we really value what you have been able to glean from all of this. And I think the other thing that's really important for everybody to understand, whether they're a parent or a provider here, is we, you are in no way saying that what you have observed is cause and effect. You're saying, right. I've seen a relationship. I have seen that there are a lot of people that come in with milk supply issues and after a period of time, maybe five days or so, of giving up that thing that we just identified, that their milk supply does become improved. So is there a relationship? And so I'm always just really hammering on the fact that it's not, uh, we're not talking about causation so much as we're talking about correlation. And you sound right. like pretty smart, Donna. If you have made that 
correlation with multiple people over multiple situations, probably over multiple years, then I think that probably that is enough so that, A, if you're a mother, you need to tell the person that you're working with to improve your milk supply, oh, by the way, I've been taking these capsules, and here's how many I've taken since whenever, whenever, whenever. And if you're a provider, I got to tell you, Donna, as soon as you said that, I'm like, oh, man, that's going on my list with, uh, are you hypothyroid? Do you smoke? Do you this? Do you mm-hmm. that? I think that's like, whoa. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, because, you know, maybe maybe they're going to say no. Okay, great. But if you ask the question, I guess it goes back to leave no stone unturned. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think... Again, because we we do not have, you know, good evidence on this topic, we don't have enough research on it. We need we need more good research on it. So at this point, I think it's just you know bringing about an awareness with moms and providers, you know, that this is a potential, potential. problem. It doesn't mean yeah. that everyone's eating their plus because we have lots of anecdotal things that moms tell us. When they ingest their placenta, yeah. they have an increase in their milk supply. Yeah. So, um, you know, I don't think we can say, geez, don't do this. You know, we certainly are not even close to there. But um, just an awareness that there is a potential concern for milk supply. So I think moms and, um, you know, lactation care providers all need to just be aware, just have an awareness of, of what's going on with that. So. Yeah. Yeah. See, here's the thing. Uh, people like you and me don't want to be turning ourselves inside out, thinking of every reason on the planet, and and trying every possible intervention to <laughs> increase the milk supply. When in fact, if that's it, and if that takes care of it, well, then you've just eliminated one possible. And and if and, and as you say, you know, sometimes <laughs> that's not it at all. But man, sometimes it's like looking for a needle in a haystack, trying to figure <laughs> out. Mm-hmm. Why is this happening? So right. I'm going to, on the presumption here, that people that are taking the capsule are doing so because they don't have to eat it raw in a smoothie. They don't have to have it cooked up like a stew. They don't have to have their house smelling of it. They don't have to risk the whole uh, uh, group B strep, all of that. Right. But what I'm kind of wondering is, I'm thinking once you have encapsulated this by reducing it, sterilizing it, dehydrating it, etc., then we don't really know how that's going to perform in your body, good or bad, because I'm thinking if your argument is, well, I want to do this because other mammals do it, okay, but remember, other mammals are not doing it and and altering the properties of it in that way. Right. Uh, Don, you mentioned the idea of anemia. I'm thinking, for instance, that if you eat liver, you're going to have an increase in iron. We've got less than a minute left, but is we, do we have any information that this will improve somebody's iron status? There is, some, um, there is lots of anecdotal, and there actually is some evidence that says um, early ingestion of the placenta, and it didn't say specifically whether it was raw or, you know, or processed, um, but that it can improve anemia. So we have um, some 
information that that could be one of the benefits is that it can, um, at least short term, improve um, anemia. So that is definitely one of the benefits. But again, we have to like do this risk benefit thing and take a look at it from that perspective as well. So. That's a great place to end because on the other side of the break, we're going to talk a little bit more about that risk benefit. Hey, everybody, I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm your host today, and I have with me uh, Donna Walls. We'll be right back after this short break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. What's the weirdest place I've ever done it? Probably at my niece's high school musical during intermission. I've done it on an airplane. In our minivan while his mother was driving. Hi, Mom. What's the weirdest place I've ever pumped? Probably the car dealership. In the bathroom at my sister's wedding. Finding a good place to pump can be hard. Donating breast milk is easy. No matter where you've pumped, you'd make a good donor to the Mother's Milk Bank at Austin. Learn how your milk can save lives at milkbank.org slash donor. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Do you need breastfeeding training for your hospital staff? Maybe you need to offer all 15 sessions to meet the baby-friendly requirements. Or perhaps you need just a few sessions. Check out Marie's new course, Best Practices for Breastfeeding Management. It's perfect for improving your exclusive breastfeeding rates and helping staff earn contact hours. You know Marie will focus on the clinical outcomes, not just the training process. Marie's course offers the ultimate in flexibility and convenience. It's online 24-7 so staff can study at their own pace. You can use the course for all of your staff or just your newly hired staff. And Marie offers a tracking report so you can tell who has started or finished. Best of all, staff can print out their own certificate when they finish. Don't waste another minute trying to develop your own course. Trust America's leading breastfeeding educator to provide staff training that works. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894. 703-787-9894. And ask for your bulk discount. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. 
Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed. Herbalist, nurse, and lactation consultant Donna Walls is going to answer the hard question for me now. Donna, uh, talk to us a little bit about this risk-benefit thing. Because, you know, honestly, whether it's taking a Tylenol or swallowing your own placenta, it always seems to come down to what evidence do we have and what is the risk-benefit. So as we're wrapping up today's show, talk to us a little bit about your gut reaction. I mean, we know we don't have good evidence here, but how do you feel about the risk-benefit? I um, I guess I, the jury's still out. I, I feel like the jury's still out. And I am concerned about the risks of um, the non-standardization of the preparation of the placenta. I would feel so much better um, if we could be assured that all of these were occurring in a safe, you know, way. Um, and the benefits, I... I, there could be some benefits. I've talked to too many moms who have told me that their milk supply went off, that they felt better, you know, emotionally. <laughs> I think there is a potential for some benefits, but I think we just really, really need to have more evidence before we can say yay or nay or, or this. And that risk-benefit ratio needs to be something that, you know, patients, parents need to be able to look at. They need to be able to take that information in before they can make an informed decision. So um, I, you've said it before, and I'll say it too. We just really need a lot more evidence on this. But until that time, awareness and um, certainly looking into any any preparation services and make sure they're doing it. Right now, the only thing we have is 130 degrees for, you know, 121 minutes, I believe, was what the CDC said. So at least we have some little thing to hang our hat on to kill salmonella, you know, GBS, whatever it is. So there's, yeah. we need more information for a really informed uh, risk-benefit assessment. So I want to just yeah. remind everybody that even on just this show, Donna has said that some mothers have said that it increases their milk supply. Meanwhile, Donna has seen some mothers for whom it appears to decrease their milk supply. Now, again, all of this is appears, appears, appears. It is not cause and effect, but it is definitely worth mulling over in your mind. Donna, what would happen if we if we sterilize all this stuff? Uh, would the hormones still stay active inside of that capsule? Well, Marie, I think that's that's the uh, huge, huge elephant in the room is, is. Um, are these hormones actually going to stay active once they're processed? And there was one study that did find um, active hormones, but again, I, I really don't know in that study um, exactly what preparation was done. You know, were they... Um, actually, you know, steamed or boiled or, you know, enough to deactivate it. So that, you know, just the fact that we don't know for sure about the status of these hormones, uh, these hormones, and that that's what, to me, says this is why we can get varying results. Because if, you know, looking at one person and her placenta was steamed, you know, dehydrated, pulverized, and put in capsules, I would say that chances of having active hormones would be fairly slim, 
Um, if the hormone, if the placenta was less processed, there would probably be a bigger chance of having more active hormones. But again, we don't know for sure. We said that a lot today, haven't we? <laughs> we well, we just yeah. don't know for sure. And I think that is the huge elephant in the room is the status of these hormones in the placenta. Yeah, and Donna, I, we did not say this explicitly earlier in the show, but it is my understanding that you can either buy the placenta already in the capsule ready-made or you can use your own placenta and send it away and they will put it in a, a capsule. Is that your understanding as well? Listen, and most of the references that I have read is that women are um, wanting to do their own placenta because um, many of the women refer to um, an almost spiritual connection. And then this placenta uh-huh. is a connection between them and their child and um, and those kind of things. So I would say the majority of women are involved in the processing of their own placenta for ingestion. But, you know, it's kind of like colostrum. We know how many, how wonderful colostrum is, and all of a sudden people started drinking cow colostrum. They said, wait a minute, you know, <laughs> oh wait gosh. a minute, wait a minute here, you know. Cow colostrum isn't human colostrum, you know. Um, so I think there are some... Um, entrepreneurs, shall we say, who are involved in selling of placental um, products. But I, I would say the vast majority of women are really looking for ways to process their own placenta. I, I, I would agree. But I also believe that there are these other products out there that did not necessarily come out of the mother's own body. Uh, right. So, you know, it seems to me that that could go either way. I just want to tell the, the audience before we leave today that most, and Donna, I'm, I'm sort of putting words in your mouth here. Let me know if I'm wrong. But it appears to me that Donna and I both agree that the lack of evidence here is just overwhelming. But Donna, if somebody came to you and said, look, it, I'm really thinking about doing this, what would you say to them? I, I would I would I would not discourage them. I would say um, know that we we don't have a lot of good evidence, but the information that we do have um, is that we need to make sure that it is done safely. So I would strongly recommend that they look it up, go on the CDC website, look on you know do Google uh, Google search if you want to do that, um, but try to definitely. Inf- you know, inform themselves, educate themselves on the safety issues. And when they are choosing uh, preparers, whether they're preparing it themselves or they're going to send or give their placenta to a preparer, to really emphasize the importance of the safety issues and make sure if they are going to ingest the placenta that it is going to be prepared so that it is you know, germ-free, if you want to think of it that way. So I wouldn't discourage someone. I, you know, I think there's enough anecdotal information. And plus, I don't want to, I don't want to scare people off. I don't want them to say, well, you know, and then they're just going to go off and do their own. I think we need to have open, honest discussions with our patients and be non-judgmental. And I do think we need to make sure that they understand that there is potential risk for 
um, infection and find those people or themselves who are going to prepare the placenta safely. Yeah, but but most a big piece of what I'm hearing there is if you're going to do it, do it safely and know how to do it safely. That that's absolutely, what, yeah, absolutely. Well, boy, this and then if they're breastfeeding, you know, if they're breastfeeding, I think we need to say there are some. We've seen some cases where milk moms' milk supplies have gone up. We've seen some cases when they go down. If you start to struggle with your milk supply, please give me a call, and we'll hey, we'll talk about go. it at that. Because you know, so. we got to go, or we get cut off. Oh, I'm, I'm Marie Piacuto. I will see you next week. Thank you so much, Donna. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in this week to Born to be Breastfed. Please join Marie Biancuso next Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, do its best for you and your baby.